0: I do trust and I do pray your forgiveness. If there are occasions when I don't stick strictly to the New King James Version, I was brought up, as I've just told the children, to uh, commit to memory the authorized version. And so if I lapse, then you have to pardon me and trust that I am not being a heretic in your midst. Um, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 40 and the Lord blessing, I trust. Those uh, opening words of the chapter, Isaiah chapter 40, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Um, W.E. Ogden was a hymn writer, wrote this hymn, I have a message from the Lord, hallelujah. The message unto you, I'll give um, in the verses that is recorded in that hymn, it says the message is from above, a message full of love, a message recorded in his word, a message I know it's true. Um, Now, had Isaiah had recourse to that hymn, I'm sure that the beginning of chapter 40 of this prophecy would have begun with those words. Because it's evident that Isaiah, now ministering towards the end of his life, is aware of the fact that the people still need to know what God has to say to them. Um, The year is 710 BC. He's been a prophet for some 50 years. At the very outset of his ministry, according to chapter 6, he's told the land will be utterly desolate. In other words, there will be a spiritual barrenness, Uh, Again, in chapter 6, he's told there will be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Now, what Isaiah wrote 710 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus could quite well be written today. You and I, some of us are older than others have lived through a period where the land has become utterly desolate. We're living in a land when there is a forsaking of the ways of God. Children being brought up in an environment that is completely different to the environment in which I grew up when I was a boy. And many of you would be able to say the same. But the one blessing that's, Isaiah kept in his heart was the fact that God had promised that there would be a very small remnant that would be left. This morning, my dear friends, you are part of that very small remnant that God has left in wills today. Thank God for it. Because we know that if it were not for the remnant then we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah, and we are fast abounding towards that direction. Um, and so, Isaiah 40 is for you. If you're a member of the remnant this morning, then God has something wonderful and marvelous to declare to you. Um, if you're here and you're not part of the remnant, if at this moment you are not a Christian, then I trust and I pray that ere this day be out, that the God of all grace will draw near to you and he'll make you a member of the remnant. And that ere this day be over, you will seize the opportunity to become those who belong to the living God with all his wonder and with all his ways. Now, God willing, both this morning and this evening, I want to look at the company that are addressed by the message. They are a special people. God says they're my people. I want to look at the content that's announced by the message. There's a spiritual pardon that's afforded to all who will believe, um, I want to look at the certainty that is assured by the message. We have sure promises from a God that cannot lie. And Then I want to look at the comforting awareness of the message because there's a security that's produced through knowing him. Um, Let me start by looking at the company that are addressed by the message. There's people who are my people, because that's that he says. Comfort, yes, comfort. My people, a special people, are people that are unique. Are people who are different. Are de- people who he has made acceptable to himself. And this morning my dear friends if you're a Christian will you not rejoice in the fact that in Isaiah chapter 1 we are told he has made us acceptable in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. That the God of heaven the God who is the creator of the whole universe As in his divine compassion, drawn near to you, and he says to you, I want you to be mine. Now, it may be that there are those of you this morning you're not familiar with the Bible. The Bible is divided into two main sections the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament, that is divided into 27 other books. The first book. First four record for us the life and times of the Lord Jesus Christ. The times when he used to speak clearly and announce the ways of God. And I love that passage in Luke chapter 15. When he talks about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. Some of you will know the story. Of how this lad decided to go his own way. He thought my way is the best way. So he finds himself leaving the security of his home and he goes out into the big wide world and suddenly he falls foul of the day and generation because there's a famine that comes. As a Jew, he finds himself in an unmentionable uh, situation. He's sent to feed pigs. That would have been totally abhorrent to any Jew. But so degrading was his situation that we're told that he often used to eat the pig's will. Suddenly he comes to his senses. He begins to think about going home. But as he thinks about going home, he realises my father won't want me to be his son anymore. I'll just go back as a servant. He begins that long walk from the far country. And as he comes within sight of the home, <clears throat> his father doesn't just wait there. His father runs to meet him. Is he going to be accepted? Of course he's going to be accepted. I love that account where we're told that the father embraces him. He falls on his neck and he kisses him. Now imagine the scene. Here's a boy, he's been with the pigs. His breath is stinking from pig swill. Did that matter to the Father? Not at all. The Father wanted him. Oh, my dear friend, there are many of you that I don't know these days here in the Heath. I don't know where you are spiritually. It may be that you're living a life and you know that it's not the life that God wants you to live. And maybe there are times when your conscience really does plague you. Do you think, oh, I, I wish I could change. I wish, I, wish I, 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 I could be accepted. But maybe there's that nagging fear. He won't want me. Listen, my dear friends. The God, God the Father loves you more than you'll ever understand. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Put the best robe on him. No, my dear friends, let me tell you. This is the joy of being a member of the household of God. Um, You have a father who loves you as you are. Not because you've done anything good, because none of us have done anything good. And I am increasingly becoming intolerant of evangelicals who think that they've made it on their own. Because we haven't. Every one of us, my dear friends, if we're accepted by God, started in the pig's will. None righteous. No, not one. But he loves you as you are. And he accepts you as you are. And you see, along with accepting you, he adopts you. Because again, in the letter to the Galatians, we find that he says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem those that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of children. And because we are children, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. I have a very close friend who when he was a boy ran home crying because he'd been jived by his fellow pupils because he was different, because he'd been adopted. So he threw himself on his bed in floods of tears. His ma'am, and a godly woman was his man, went up to console him and sat him down. And she told him the story. She said. I went to the orphanage because I couldn't have a son of my own. And she said, as I went into the orphanage, they ushered me into a room and there were rows of cots. And she said, I could have picked any one of them. But I picked you because I wanted you to be mine. Listen, my dear friend. I don't know where you live but as you go home for your lunch look down the street or the road the avenue where you live I wonder how many doors in your street avenue or road opened with people going to the house of God today I'm sure the city's the same as the valley's very few homes, very few doors open these days to go to church. And remember this, God could have picked any one of your neighbours, but he chose you. He's adopted you. He has said, come out to among them. I will be your Father. And you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Almighty. Yeah. These are the people that God is speaking to. People you see who have been accepted, people who have been adopted, and those who have been altered because again you see in the letter to the uh, in the prophecy of Hosea who was a contemporary of Isaiah Hosea says I will say to them which were not my people you are my people and they will say you are my god something has taken place it's altered and so Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 he says you are a peculiar people And in the New King James Version, it says, you are my own special people. In time past, you were not the people. But now, you are the people of God. Has your life changed? Are you someone this morning who can say yes? Yes. I know what it is for the Lord to save me. That is, uh, as the Savior looked at a very religious man, he says, you must be born again. Your heart has to be changed completely. Do you know, my dear friend this morning, that experience where you can say with surety and with certainty, yes, a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And that that change is something that is ongoing. We sing that hymn, don't we? Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. Is that happening? Has it happened? I'm not asking you, my friend, this morning to pinpoint a particular day. When you can say, yes, I know that that's the day when the Lord saved me. I'm not going to press your conscience to that. But I am going to ask you, has the change taken place? You see, we're living in an age where the spirit of the world has encroached. It's come flooding in upon the spirit of the Christian. You see, as time goes on, if you're a Christian, you stick out like a sore thumb because you're so different to those around you. You think differently, you talk differently, you behave differently. Where are those who are the pure in heart? Where are those who are the merciful? Where are those who are the peacemakers? You see, that's the criteria. That's the alteration that's taking place. That this morning you were able to bow and you are able to say, yes, I know the Lord has wo- worked in my life. I know that He's continue to, continuing to work. And the yearning and the longing of my heart is that He will go on working in my life. Day by day. My late wife had one character in church history she loved. His name was Gypsy Smith. It said of Gypsy Smith that when he would lead evangelistic campaigns, he would sing, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I'm not going to ask you to sing it. But I'm going to ask you, is that true of you this morning? Is that the yearning, desire, longing of your heart? That more like Jesus, would I grow? More of his love to others show? How often is it said of you, when your name is raised in conversation, oh, he'll never alter. She'll never change. That should never be said of a Christian. Your life should be altering day by day. Moment by moment. As the love, the grace, the spirit of God works in your soul and in your heart. The loveliness, the beauty of being a child of God becomes evident that people may not understand you they may not know what makes you tick but they know you're different they know you are the people of God now it's to them and I must hurry on in order that I may close it's to them that the message is declared and so, secondly, we look clearly, not only at the company that have been indeed addressed, but we look at the content of the message that is announced. Because it is obvious that God wants us to hear what he says. Says very clearly, speak comfortably to Jerusalem, cry out to her. In other words, you see, he's saying, Make sure my people hear what I've got to say to them. I wonder, as we sang earlier in the service, did you really mean when you said, I am listening, Lord, for Thee? What is Thou to say to me? Em? You see, here we have spiritual pardon. I believe the greatest gift that the living God can bestow upon any sinful man, woman, boy, girl is to know that your sins are forgiven. To know that fact that the God of heaven, truly in deed and in sincerity, looks upon you with a purity of mind and heart that is found in his Son. Because that's his intention. You see, we are told here that there is an almighty pardon. That is a pardon that comes from God himself. In Isaiah 43, it says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own name's sake. I will remember your sins no more. I thank God for divine amnesia. I don't understand it. That the God who knows everything about you, the God who knows everything about me, not one thought crosses through your mind, my dear friends, that he doesn't know. And you can hide it from your nearest and your dearest. But he knows. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. You are acquainted with all my ways. All things are naked and open to the eyes of the God with whom we have to do. And yet he says, your sins... Your iniquities, I will remember no more. This is amazing pardon. Because again in Isaiah 44, he says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions and as a cloud your sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heaven, for the Lord has done it who is a pardoning god like thee who has grace so rich so free yeah. because you see it's an abundant pardon Isaiah 55 says let us re- let him return o lord and he will have mercy unto him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon Maybe you're here this morning and there are besetting sins in your life. <coughs> Fly to him. Fly to him. Maybe there are sins that are the Bible calls secret sins. Nobody else knows. Fly to him. Because you see, every sin has to go beneath that cleansing flow. This is the amazing aspect of the gospel, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all unrighteousness. Maybe this morning, you're here and you're a backslider. You're the person who, if we sung the hymn, would be able to sing it with sincerity. Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is that so refreshing dew of Jesus and his word? You remember that day when perhaps you paused and you said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you. I'll say anything for you. But your heart's grown cold. The passage of time has taken a toll upon you. He's married to the backslider, he'll restore you freely. Come and say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. But it may be that you're here this morning and you've never known the love of the Savior permeating your heart. Maybe you've heard the gospel before. But you've never come to that point where you felt your own need and where you paused and you acknowledge that you have sinned against the holy and the righteous God and maybe there's that nagging in your conscience at this moment that says i'm too dirty i'm too foul remember the prodigal son Oh, my dear friend, can I say to you, today is a day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. And if you're one of those who perhaps and you're sitting around thinking, well, when I make myself a little bit better, then I'll come. No, you come as you are. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Lamb of God I come my dear friend if you're not a Christian if you're not a member of the household of God if you're not one of his people this morning can I plead with you seek the Lord whilst he may be found call upon him whilst he is near this may be the last opportunity you'll be given to repent of your sins, to seek the face of a pardoning God, to know the blessing of your sins being forgiven, of knowing that this God is not just your God, He's not just your maker, He's not your judge, but He's your Father. He's the one you can call dad. He's the one who really loves you. He's the one who truly has a passion for you. Sent his son and his son had a passion for you to the extent that he went to Calvary's hill and he endured the cross. That you may know a pardon from offended God. A pardon for the deepest died sin that you've ever committed. Come to him now. Come now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't be influenced by anything else. The trust the Spirit of God will draw near to you. Or oh, you'll bow and say, Lord, save me. Save me now. Um, that's the message. It's not profound, but it's amazing. It's simple. I trust you'll understand it. That the great God of heaven wants to say to you, I love you with an everlasting love and I forgive all your sins for his son's sake. Amen.